Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.wellineux.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Whitten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Whitten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking, and today I have with me two of my good friends. I've got Mary from Good Mood Food, and I've got Fuad from the food blog. <laughs> Hello, guys. Hey, Jo. Hi, Jo. And we are going to be talking about parasites. So um, Mary has a bit of experience with this, and we have talked about it a little bit in a couple of podcasts with Mary before. Um, so to clarify, we're not talking about parasites who are human parasites that are trying to leech off you in some way or anything like that. <laughs> no, it's more the, the the annoying ones that get inside the, you. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay, and make okay. you ill. Yeah, I'm <laughs> pregnant at the moment, and I sometimes refer to my baby as a parasite. We're not talking about that. <laughs> oh, congratulations! <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it's your third, is it? It's my third. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! And how long awesome. have you got to go? I've got nine weeks left. Ooh. Yes. Wow. Feeling rather large and hot and sweaty at the moment. Yeah, just knackered. Just in, knackered. In Brisbane, yeah. is it yeah. really hot weather? I know. I didn't plan it very well. You know. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk about parasites and the planning of the baby. Okay. You know, yes. It's yes, a yes, segue. Yeah. That'll be yeah. good. Well, um, those of you who are listening to most of my podcasts, will probably remember Mary. So we've talked about um, her little boy who had F pies and anaphylactic allergies and what else did he have goodness me what didn't he have is more those yeah, long sorry. words that start with e yeah uh, eosinophilic <laughs> esophagitis that thing <laughs> and he had um sensory processing disorder um oh gosh egid um there were so many so yes um but anyway after a couple of years of lots and lots of work he's amazingly better and if you want to hear the story of that, you need to go back to that podcast, which I will link to at the bottom. Um, but what we want to get you to talk about today is um, your experience with parasites and your research and what you found helped. Because I do get a lot of questions about this. Um, people who want to know where you even start with the testing and once you've found out you've got them, what do you do? And there's so many different ideas on it. Yeah. Um, and we'd love to hear your story. So go ahead and we'll, we'll interrupt with lots of questions. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, <clears throat> I'll start by saying um, one of, one of the, the, the conclusions 
that people need to come to, and I think it's an individual conclusion, is whether parasites are the root cause of a problem or just uh, part of uh, a symptom of a leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, we'll go into that in more detail. I think sometimes people get into the habit of uh, in, into a position where they think that if they treat the parasites, all their health issues will resolve. Mm-hmm. But often the parasites are there for for a very good reason, okay. um, causing problems, but um, uh, causing their own problems. Absolutely, they absolutely cause symptoms and problems. But um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a damaged gut microbiome invites them in for good reason. Okay, is, is the um, the point I was trying to make there. So um, we, uh, when we decided we were going to do gaps, it was because my son was so sick, and um, we uh, knew that my husband had had um, giardia when he was in his early twenties, mm-hmm. um, and it had taken him many, many years and many, many antibiotics um, to become symptom-free. But um, what we didn't realize at the time was that he was actually never uh, free of giardia. He almost certainly had had it um, and it never went away, um, but he resolved the symptoms. But what happened was about 10 years later, he started to develop um, adult onset food allergies, um, intolerances, Mm -hmm. um, and all sorts of things which he, because we didn't know much at all about gut health and and food, we we never linked it back to the Giardia until we had been on GAPS for 18 months. Okay. Okay. Uh, So... Uh, so we went and we did gaps and um, I, I kept reading about parasites and on forums that I was on, um, but it was too much. It was too much for me. I just wanted to do gaps and I didn't want to think about details. We didn't do a lot of testing on anything. We just kind of assumed that if we did the gap start, everything would come right. Mm-hmm. And t- to a large extent, that was absolutely true. Um, so much stuff come right. But um, what we noticed was... Um, Around about, well, we noticed this throughout gaps, but um, we, we started to think we would we would test and treat parasites when after a year there were still some things that just wouldn't heal and um, we'd hit a bit of a plateau, I suppose you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, the things that we really noticed was um, behavioral stuff in the kids. Um, and I had never, ever linked this to parasites, but I, I read a forum where very knowledgeable mothers um, I just happened to to read a post where they were talking about the following things that were all linked to parasite infestation in your gut. And they were um, biting your nails, Mm -hmm. uh, walking on your toes, (laughs) chewing your hair. um, uh, So pika type things, uh, eating things that aren't your body isn't supposed to ingest. um, uh, Grinding your teeth when you're sleeping at night. I remember hearing that one. Yeah. And, um, and then also a wacky one was um, if your children's behavior uh, goes off the, ra- off the rails around about full moon and new moon. That's right. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about that, the, yeah. full, moon, <laughs> the full moon behaviorals. And um, there was good, there was good um, scientific reasoning for it, I realized. I, I thought it was just a hippie Let thing, me guess. you know. Well, werewolves? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. if you've heard the word lunatic, it comes from people whose behavior goes off the rails around the lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it turns out that um, if you have parasites in your gut, um, they come out to breed um, according to the cycle of the moon. So <laughs> normally, they actually they hide within the mucus lining of your gut, um, and they don't cause too much disruption other than the, the things I mentioned earlier. But around full moon and new moon, when um, that is the trigger for them to come out of the mucus lining, um, to breed, they disrupt your neuropathways um, and they can actually cause behavioral 
uh, responses to all of these, especially if you have an infestation, to these um, millions of parasites um, basically disrupting um, the the neuropathway that is established between your gut lining and your brain. So Mary, you said you started noticing behavioral changes. So does that mean that before that the children were absolutely fine and and like behaviorally and then at some point you saw that change? Not at all. They were always behaviorally um, mental around these periods, but I had never connected the dots. So I started to keep a diary um, and I noticed um, that they would become very, very silly and loud and talk in strange voices, and as, as, you, as children do, but um, it was almost as if they had had too much sugar. Uh. Do you know how kids go a little bonkers? Mm. Yeah. We, we refer to it as a sugar high. Um, uh, they would be more tearful. My, um, my son would get far more, uh, he would be angry one moment and then deliriously happy the next moment. And, mm. um, and I would never, I had never linked it to any kind of um, pattern until I kept a diary and realized if he started, if, if both of them started to behave like that, I would go and I'd check the moon cycle and it would almost always be within a couple of days of full moon or new moon. And then I just started, I had to laugh when I realized. And it, it took me a long time to convince my husband of it. But then I had to go back and show him the diary. I'm like, and, and yeah, we, we started to realize that it was, without even having done any tests, it was very clear that our kids had parasites. And wow. that so how, how many months did you keep track of that, Mary? Um, probably about three months. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. But at the same time, um, there would also, around those um, moon cycles, we um, noticed that my both the kids would get very itchy anuses. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is a, a strong uh, sign of parasites, um, and that has to do with um, them laying eggs and breeding mm. um, down in the colonic area, and um, the kids—that's uh, that—it's a disgusting thing to talk about. But <laughs> the children will scratch their bums, and then they will bite their nails, oh, and that's how the eggs get back into the gut. Yeah. So um, it is a cycle that the parasites cause these behavioral patterns in order to establish their life cycles. So, so the scratching is justifiable in terms of like the physical, what's happening physically, but with the biting of the nails, was that from the neurology? Is it because the gut lining was somehow damaged and there was some kind of, uh, is that, is that what you think? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's literally, um, I think it's exactly the same the same mechanism as if you have a microbiome that is completely off balance, the pathogenic bacteria in your gut will will establish the neuropathways with your brain instead of your gut lining establishing those neuropathways. It's almost like they get in the way. Um, and they do that in order that they can control um, behavioral patterns uh, uh, like they will get people to eat more sugar because that's what yeast needs to survive. It needs sugar and carbohydrates and you hear about people having sugar cravings, carbohydrate cravings and becoming addicted to those substances, that to me is a big red flag that someone has a yeast problem because that is what yeast needs to survive. And it's as if yeast um, steps in the way. Um, If you have a a beautiful gut with perfect gut microbiome, um, then what tends to happen is your, your gut, the gut lining, they say the matter is very much like your brain matter. It's almost the same substance. And they talk about this gut-brain connection and your, your immune system, which lives in your gut, will tell your brain through that gut lining what your body needs. 
So if you are uh, vitamin D deficient, um, you will start to crave foods that are high in vitamin D. Mm -hmm. This is in a healthy gut. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You see it very often in children. You know, if a child um, uh, is... uh, um, lacking in certain minerals because they've been running around too much for the last two days, they will crave uh, liquid or um, food that is high in, in magnesium or um, or those minerals. And, and it'll just be a short craving, and that is a gut that is working beautifully um, in the way it communicates with your brain. But if the gut microbiome is messed up and there is uh, and they are in the way, it's the only way to describe it, they've created the neuropathways instead of your gut lining creating that neuropathway or instead of the good bacteria, um, then you get the wrong messages to your brain and your, uh, your body uh, starts to crave things or uh, behave in certain ways or eat certain foods that actually do your body no good, but they keep the parasites alive or they keep the bacteria alive. Hmm. And biting the nails is part of that because the eggs get under the nails you bite the nails means that you eat the eggs and they come back and the life cycle continues. Um, wow. It's, it's phenomenal it's when you really think about <laughs> it. But, but that seems to be the logic behind why these behaviors. Now, but then toe walking. People talk about uh, toe walking being a clear sign of, of a child that has parasites. I have no idea why, why? a parasite would need you to walk on your toes. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No. But it seems mm. to be... Um, it seems to be an a, a anecdotal link that many people have noticed that their children who have parasites uh, walk on their toes and, and don't walk with their whole foot. Hmm. I can explain it. I mean, it, it's not always a case of a clear uh, direction, say, from the parasite causing that child to walk on their toes for some kind of reason. So sometimes a certain chemical that can be produced could have multiple effects. One of them is the desired effect for the propagation of the species and the other one could be just a side effect that the brain picks up on and moves on. So Uh, I agree. Um, But um, that's really interesting with the toe walking. Is that uh, that a common thing, like children toe walk? It's one uh, of those things that you think, I have this saying, um, we have things that are normal and things that are common. Mm. Um, And there are many, many things in society today that because they are common, we have begun to believe that they are normal. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. But they aren't. (laughs) It's just that we have messed up so badly over the last 50 years. And one of those things is uh, behavioral stuff like uh, chewing hair, sucking uh, three fingers in the mouth, um, biting nails, walking on toes. Uh, We see it all the time now. And um, I've never really even noticed it until I studied parasites and I have friends whose kids walk, walk on their toes and now I go to their house and the kids walk past me and I look at the dad and I say, your kids have parasites, you need to go get them tested, <laughs> you know. But I wouldn't have noticed it before I'd done any research on it and it's, uh, it's, it's like I say, my weirdometer's broken, but <laughs> pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because my daughter does that sometimes, but she, I mean, she's five years old and she wants to be a ballerina and I'm not sure whether it's the yeah. parents that's asking her yeah. to become a ballerina. <laughs> Or uh, they have some kind of well, stardom the aspirations. They, they want to be star parasites or something. I'm not really sure. but Well, Fuad, I would say that if that's her only symptom, then she probably doesn't have parasites. But if there are other red flags as well, then maybe get her tested. Well, yeah, yesterday, like, she was biting her nails. I've never seen her do that really quite yeah. at all. But yeah. uh, she, she bit her nail, and I was wondering why. I was, um, yeah, but 
but she's been walking on her toes for a long time. But she's like superbly healthy, like uh, unbelievably yeah. healthy. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any any uh, symptoms from Sarah. So, no, yeah. and you don't want to get yourself in a position where you now are actually looking for uh, symptoms with your children with a, from a position of fear. You know what I mean? It's yeah. if your children mm -hmm. are beautifully healthy, um, that's just wonderful, and I'm so pleased for you. That's so wonderful. I love hearing about healthy kids mm. um, because it's it's becoming less and less frequent. Um, but what I would say is, you're an intelligent guy, and if um, you notice that the nail biting becomes a problem, so she's biting her nails back to the quick on a regular basis, and, it, and perhaps they're becoming. Uh, infected or sore, uh, then you need to wonder why she would be doing that. And it, mm, can, Of course, you, yeah. You can deal with it at the time, but I wouldn't certainly go looking for a problem where perhaps one doesn't exist. Mm. I can't remember what we were talking about before we started that rabbit trail. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. We were talking okay. about um, how we got to treating our parasites. Oh, yes. So, um, <laughs> so after a year, I did the diary and I um, took the um, – I, I could tell now that the kids had parasites – um, but I still, uh, they were still struggling a little bit with uh, detox and healing. And I didn't want to go after parasites until I was sure that my kids were fairly symptom free from gut trouble. Because um, dealing with parasites is not necessarily a gentle thing, it yeah. can cause inflammation. You know, parasites are uh, brilliant at mopping up uh, toxins like heavy metals in our blood, which is why they're, uh, they're starting to believe that the, the gut an unhealthy gut invites parasites in to the body mm. is because they actually serve a purpose. A person with an unhealthy gut um, is generally very toxic. Mm. And so the body looks around and goes, well, what can I do to mop up toxins? Well, there's two things. Candida mops up toxins mm. and parasites mop up toxins. So the body almost, uh, and this is the point that I made at the very beginning, the body invites those parasites in because it doesn't know what else to do to deal with the toxicity issue. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I've always thought of it as a move from symbiosis to dysbiosis, which is uh, really what happens. So these parasites are symbiotic organisms, so they give us life and we give them life. And yes. if everything is in a good balance, then the numbers are controlled, of, like the parasitic numbers are controlled, and we get to live. And if something goes wrong, they can overgrow in numbers and cause us issues, which is... Exactly. Um, um, and you have to look at what went wrong to cause them to overgrow. That's the interesting. So they, they're not the, the root cause in and of themselves. The, the environment, you're saying, is what's actually caused them to yes, reach yes. those numbers. Yeah, okay. I'd say so. I'd say the environment has become such that the gut is leaky. Toxins are escaping into the bloodstream. The liver is overloaded. And the parasites are there to help. They, come, they, they overgrow in order to help um, because the, the backup uh, detox mechanisms are overloaded. And so, um, parasite, but it, it doesn't help because as long as your gut is leaky, uh, even the, the parasites won't be able to mop up the toxins in a way that stops the behavioral disorders and, um, and the headaches and insomnia and all the things that come with toxicity. So do you think that it's really important to heal the gut first before dealing with parasites? I think absolutely, and I think a lot of people will go and they will do these tests and find out they have parasites, and they will be given the heavy course of three antibiotics, yeah. and they will treat the parasites, and uh, um, the parasites will just come back because they were there for a reason. Right. Yeah. And also, the, uh, you know, what you'll get is 
you, you'll destroy your microbiome. But one of the things that, that you know, the parasites that are needed, they're needed to do some kind of uh, function. And you'll kill those, and you'll kill any kind of straggling parasites that would be also usually responsible for the control of the entire bi- microbiome itself. So Absolutely. You'll yes. just wipe those off completely, and it's really a very it's bad sad. idea. Yeah. It, well, and it's I, even more. It's a downward spiral. That's what I was just about downward, to say, yeah. it sounds yeah. like. And, and the antibiotics really, like, so they should really be considered when the cases are extreme and someone needs some uh, immediate help to turn them around. Is that what you imagine? Um, yes, and I think that there's always a place for antibiotics. You know, um, antibiotics are so destructive to our gut microbiome, but they can save lives as well. Mm-hmm. And they can also, um, if you do it the right way, and if you know your gut um, microbiology, like you've done the really expensive biomed tests, um, you can use antibiotics in a way that really help you. But you can, I don't believe it's possible to use antibiotics in a way that will help you unless you have the foundation of the right diet and the right probiotic foods that are going in at the same time. I think um, many people have done antibiotic treatments and uh, thought they've solved one problem and just caused more problems. So they might even get rid of the parasites, but suddenly they end up with a leaky gut because they use the really hardcore antibiotics. And then they start with the insomnia or the gut dysbiosis or the irritable bowel, the bloating. Um, and, and, and can that cause... I'm just thinking of a friend of mine who's having a lot of trouble with parasites and has done the big antibiotic thing and has a lot of gut pain, like tummy pain, Yeah, a lot of um, inflammation. Um, you know, how, where do you go if you've already done all that antibiotic stuff and you didn't heal the gut first? I guess you start over and start working on the gut yes. before you do it's never too late. Else. Yeah. Yeah, you would go back uh, just... I think, you know what, I was saying to my mother today, mm-hmm. um, our society, our medical society, um, finds no benefit in people uh, knowing the skills of root cause analysis. Mm. Um, and the reason is because um, who's going to make money if everyone knows how to analyze um, <laughs> the root cause of things? So, um, so you have people who go to the doctor who get tested, they have parasites. No one ever asks the question, why do you have parasites? Mm. They just treat the parasites. It's um, it's really frustrating to me because you have all these highly intelligent people who must get very frustrated at just having to dish out pills mm-hmm. rather than actually being allowed to use their brains in a way that helps them to figure out why that person got parasites in the first place or why their cholesterol is high or why you know they have type 2 diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. And if people were encouraged and if people were taught at a very young age how to go and look at where did this all start? What went wrong in my history? Um, everyone would end up eating better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and resolving this and having a foundation of a good diet that doesn't feed this bad bacteria. Um, and then the drugs would be um, useful. Mm. Um, I think antibiotics as a drug should really be one of those things that you require uh, like two or three doctors to approve the administration. I don't think it's one of those things where, the, like, there's people are over medicated in such a way that it just becomes ridiculous, and um, we're destroying people's health, even though we give them some short-term gains, like maybe the symptoms of the parasite infection will go away, but then as things start settling back in and the effects of the antibiotics go away, uh, I'd imagine 
the health will start getting worse and worse, and then they reach a point where the antibiotics no longer help. I think that's where we're heading. I think mm. we're heading. There. So. I think we're heading to a place where it will be very difficult to get an antibiotic script as well. Yeah. So but, uh, you were at, at a stage, Mary, that you'd healed the gut, but you're still struggling with uh, too many of these parasites. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, we were struggling with symptoms that weren't healing. So. Um, we decided then to, uh, I looked into the GAPS um, parasite protocol that she writes about. And um, we, at first, the first time we tried anything, we were real gung-ho about it and um, <laughs> didn't think too hard about it. And we started just putting oregano oil into the kids' foods. And oh my goodness, the die-off oh. was so epic that I realized I needed to have a real good think about what we were going to do and um, plan a very gentle um, and long-term approach to dealing with parasites. So I read up a lot more about it. What was the so, dial so like? Sorry. Oh, yeah. See, very it was, interesting. Yeah. It was epic. It was like bedridden stuff. It was, oh. you know, yeah, it, it, it was um, a lot of brain fog and um, uh, just lethargy and, and real, um, it, it was just too much. We, we, we went way too hard too early. And oregano oil is very similar to antibiotics. Mm. Um, so, I now realize that it's the last thing you try, Oops. not the first thing you try. But I was well, like that. <laughs> were you like giving them spoonfuls of the stuff? No, or like drops, just drops. drops of it. Yeah. And it's so potent. It is. Um, and, so, and so what I did was uh, uh, something happened in the middle of all of this and it had to do with baby making. Um, I had a, <laughs> yeah, this is where the baby parasite comes into the whole story. Okay. But, um, <laughs> um, it started off very sad. I had a miscarriage, yeah. and um, the uh, miscarriage at about seven weeks. And um, oh, I, I went from weighing about sixty-seven kilograms to seventy-seven kilograms over the course of a month after wow. um, I miscarried. And um, and at that time, I was fasting. I was just trying to do stage one, stage two, and I, there was nothing I could do. The weight was coming whether I. It didn't matter what I ate, um, and I think my thyroid was deeply uh, impacted by the miscarriage. Can Can I ask why you were fasting? Um, I was fasting to try not to put on weight, to be honest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but also because I I didn't understand why I'd miscarried, and I thought if I went back to fasting, then my body would kick into healing mode, um, and it would help. And when I say fasting, I'm talking um, drinking broth soups yeah. and um, meats that are cooked in broths and soups. So very and digestible how, what, food. Yeah. How was the impact of the fast after such an emotional experience for you? Was Do you, do you recommend it? Was it good for yes. you? Yes, yeah, I, I recommend it. I recommend it. It, okay. didn't, it didn't stop the weight gain, which was very depressing, but it definitely, um, uh, it's very anti-inflammatory and it's um, emotionally very stabilizing as well. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny because I know whenever I've gone through rough times, I've naturally done that. Yep. That's, that's yep. all I want to have is like soups, broths, meats. Yep. And um, egg yolks. <laughs> egg yeah. yolks. I was just yeah, piling to egg yolks. But it was, um, it, was, um, it was a good experience, but it also showed me very clearly that there was something obviously uh, wrong with my, uh, my thyroid, I thought. Hormonally, the miscarriage had knocked me out of whack. Um, anyway, so... Um, I recovered emotionally from the miscarriage as as you do over a period of time. Um, I kept on with gaps um, and we kept trying to get pregnant and what kept happening was I would fall pregnant and then three days later uh, I would get my period. So we had um, 
sure. we were doing the, the tests and, and about four or five times over the course of a year I would have a positive pregnancy test. Wow, and then, that's yeah. stressful. It, it was very, very stressful. They, they refer to them as chemical pregnancies. Hmm. And so then I started thinking, well, what on earth is going wrong with my body? I've always been, I've always found it very easy to fall pregnant. Um, I've, I've been very fertile my whole life. It was, you know, with all my health issues, that was one thing that was not an hmm. issue. Um, and I thought, well, is it just because I'm older? And, and perhaps it was. So this is a very anecdotal story. Um, but uh, eventually, after about nine months, I went to um, the doctor uh, and my lovely GP, and I said, you need to test me for everything because um, I don't feel good and I'm getting more and more depressed why, why I can't feel pregnant. I can't keep going through these chemical pregnancies, and we wanted to stop trying. We, we decided we were going to give up. Um, but I thought, we'll just do all the tests and see if anything comes up. And um, one thing came up in the blood test, and that was my ferritin levels were really high. And that means that your body is storing iron. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I knew that I didn't have that disease, which is called... Hemochromatosis. Oh, hemochromatosis. Thank you very much, Joe. <laughs> I did not have hemochromatosis. And weirdly, because my cousin had hemochromatosis, and he told us about three months earlier and that we all had to go and get tested for hemochromatosis. <laughs> and I'd just done a genetic test for hemochromatosis. So it was weird. The timing was weird. So anyway, um, my ferritin levels were high, but I didn't have hemochromatosis. So um, the, uh, the doctor didn't really know what to do with that, but I was like, oh, give me information. I'll go and st study up and find out why this is happening. And the, um, the thing that came up straight away when I, when I looked into new research um, is, is that if you have a bacterial infection, your body stores iron. Um, but I didn't have a bacterial infection. We'd tested for that. But then there was a new study which linked having a parasitic infection with high ferritin hmm. as well. Now, this was new science. This was my doctor had never heard of this. So I went back to him armed with this white paper and I said, <laughs> I think I've got parasites. <laughs> Can you test, do a stool test? Just the microbiology stool test that you do. And he was like, you don't have parasites. I'm like, but maybe I do. And maybe they're <laughs> somehow interfering with my hormones. So I latched onto this as the root cause of my fertility issues. Um, anyway, so I went and did the stool test and um, he phoned me and he was so excited because they'd found two parasites. And he was like, I'm so excited. You've got parasites. I was like, this is awesome. Okay, it wasn't awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was exciting because it was new to him. Yeah, yeah, it was new to him and it was new to me as well. And um, and I was excited because I'd said to him, I bet you I have parasites. And he was like, no way. Anyway, so it was like a ha-ha, I told you so kind of a moment for me. Um, Maybe how much How much did the test cost? Oh, this one was free. So this was oh. just the microbiology test that where they go and test you for, um, I think it's five different types of parasites. And I was lucky that it actually came up. The microbiology tests are not always so... Um, good you know you, you can have parasites and they don't come up in that test the really really good one is called a PCR test um, but it does cost like $400 or something and is that um, through a GP I think so I think you can get it through a GP or you get it through a biomedical doctor or a mm -hmm. naturopath or someone like that okay. um, but they come back with details of not just uh, parasites but uh, bacteria and yeast and all that kind of stuff so okay. good test but we've always been um we've always avoided tests because we thought well it's not going to change what we do we're going to do gaps yeah it doesn't matter so we'd save our money but this microbiology test was so helpful um and it came back that i had blastocystis hominis and um diantamoeba fragilis and so funny my doctor then he looks at this and he goes but everyone says that blastocystis hominis is a 
asymptomatic parasite. I don't think everyone says it, but I think no, 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 no. Everyone who can but pronounce you... it says it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I call it bluster. That's right. bluster. That good. You've got to break it down into rap. It's like defrag and bluster. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, but he, he also, he, my doctor's really funny. He'll do anything I ask of him, and he's learning so much from our journey. That's but he good. always expresses his cynicism before we do anything. So <laughs> he will say to me, I said, I think candida is a problem. And he goes, the medical world is very skeptical about candida causing health issues. And he said the same thing about blasto. He said, the medical world is very skeptical. They think it's asymptomatic. Um, but I think this goes back to what Fuad said earlier, is that in a healthy gut, blasto is probably a very helpful parasite. Mm. Um, but in a gut that has... Uh, um, imbalance, dysbiosis, and uh, leaks in it. Uh, blasto is becoming more and more recognized as causing some hectic symptoms mm. in people and defragilis as well. So, um, off I went with my little parasite um, uh, uh, diagnosis. <laughs> I'm pregnant. You can talk, I keep forgetting words. <laughs> You're doing pretty good. I mean, you remembered those parasite names. <laughs> I can remember that, but I can't remember the word diagnosis. But <laughs> Um, so off I went and I developed myself a little parasite protocol. Um, and, um, I actually, um, I wrote it out and I thought this I can manage. And it, um, it was as, from everything that I'd learned from, uh, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride and the frequently asked questions and anything anyone had ever mentioned on the gaps forums I followed, mm-hmm. I developed it. And, um, the, the rules were, uh, you need to take diatomaceous earth um, and you need to take it for at least six months to break the parasite cycles. Mm-hmm. What's um, that? What, uh, it's called diatomaceous earth or DE. Um, and people use it um, to keep, uh, they use it externally to keep parasites of chickens, to keep ants out of the house. But there's a food grade, um, it's a food grade silica, silica um, which um, is very safe to take internally. Um, but it takes, uh, I think what they say is it cuts the exoskeleton of parasites as it goes oh. through the gut. And where do you get it from? Um, I buy it online from diatomaceousearthonline.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You've just got to figure out how yeah, to spell it first. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. No, don't ask me to do that. Okay. Those who are going to order it will know how to spell it. That's, it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Actually, if you start typing, you know, autocorrect will come up and That's tell good. you. That's yeah. <laughs> so That was the first thing that I figured out. The second thing was that garlic is critical in getting rid of parasites, yeah. whether it's raw garlic um, and then in the later stages, fermented garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are other herbs which are very well known, like wormwood and uh, ground cloves mm-hmm. um, and black walnut hull. But my son was uh, anaphylactic to walnuts, so we never went down the black walnut hull mm-hmm. road. Um, and then um, there was also a very good article, which I read, which said that parasites like to feed on yeast. So sometimes, so I got it in my head that it would be a good idea to take a non-toxic antifungal um, in the beginning to get rid of yeast called a uh, nystatin mm-hmm. um, and to start the parasite protocol using nystatin. Um, in the middle of all of this, I decided to get the kids tested as well. Mm-hmm. And not only my poor children did they have blaster and defrag, but they had giardia as well. And that, yeah, so then we were like, all the pennies dropped into place and we were like, oh, Stuart's giardia. And then Stu went and got tested and what do you know, he had the same things. And um, and we started to think that this was the final piece in our puzzle for healing. Mm. Um, 
anyway, so I went and treated myself. Um, and after the first month, um, it must have been about five weeks of being on the DE, the Nystatin and garlic and going through um, every two weeks changing up what you were taking. So you take garlic for the first week and then cloves and then um, wormwood and um, because the parasites get used to it. So oh, okay. So you swap it each week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I fell pregnant and I am now 31 weeks pregnant. Yay! Yeah. So, exciting. <laughs> so I don't care what anyone says. It was parasites. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I went back to my doctor and he was amazed and couldn't believe it. And we tested and I told him all the kids' symptoms. Like my little daughter also had a, still was getting the bloated tummy. And um, so we put them on the parasite protocol and every symptom I listed earlier um, is now resolved. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, it's also antibacterial, the stuff that you're taking as well, right? Um, some of it. Uh, the garlic is quite antibacterial, but... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, coconut oil um, is uh, antifungal. The oregano oil is the one that's really antibacterial, and we never actually we decided not to use it for that reason because mm. we felt that we could get there without it. Um, the, another one that people will use is um, olive leaf extract. Yeah, right. Um, okay. That's also antibacterial. So we've avoided the last two: uh, oregano oil and, and olive leaf extract. And was that just because you didn't want major die-off? Yeah, and because yeah, we had a bad experience with it, mm. and so we thought, well, um, we'll do it more gently. Yeah, we do it more gently, and if we need to do it at the end, we will. And in fact, fermented garlic, we've hardly been able to take any fermented garlic um, because how, the diet is pretty full on. How mm. long has it been now? So what, nine nine months? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So um, yeah, so I suppose it's been eight months since I did the parasite protocol, mm-hmm. um, and the kids' behaviour over full moon is now one hundred percent fine. Wow. <laughs> But um, most importantly, the itchy bums have gone away. There's no more nail biting. There's no more toe walking. There's no more um, you know, random behavioral meltdowns. Um, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, there was a recent uh, episode of a podcast that I love out of the States called Brady Lab. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if, if either of you ladies listen to it, but uh, it's just one of, I think one of the world's best podcasts, really, and um, to it. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really, really great. Really, like they're beautiful story- storytellers. But in, on one of the most recent episodes, they have they talk about uh, antibiotic resistance and um, how these uh, two women in the UK. One is a biochemist who's um, also like a history buff. She. Um, has a friend who is a historian who is a biochemistry buff and they basically uh, went through the textbooks and found some old uh, recipes that, um, well, an old recipe from one of the famous books of the time mm-hmm. um, and uh, it gave this recipe for to heal everything basically, that's, that's what oh, the recipe was, was meant to do. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and it it had a lot of um, herbs in it, and one of the things in it was the garlic and the onion that they put there and ferment, yeah. and uh, they they use it. Um, they've been using it uh, to do that. So the the women did that, and um, they followed the recipe as it was, and they sent it to labs that test for um, uh, an- antibiotic resistant bacterial strains. Yeah. So these are um, Mercer. This is familiar. I've heard of right? this. Yeah. 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 And, um, and they basically wiped it out. MRSA, which is like we can't treat it. 
we don't actually have we don't have antibiotics that can that can kill it, and um, it's yeah it's just absolutely amazing and it's great to see that you know you we still have some of that wisdom today. In oh, our, yeah, well, it disappeared and it's coming back. I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested why you said you couldn't manage the the uh, fermented garlic. Well, um, we we've never managed um, ferment well in our family um, even on mm. gaps we've had to go very very slowly with fermented food uh, mainly because um, we have a gene mutation called MTHFR um, which means um, uh, we have methylation issues I don't really understand it very much and I should probably know more about it but one thing I do know is that um, for myself personally because I had chronic fatigue syndrome my lymphatic system collapsed and um, the ferments push a detox that is um, quite heavy and um, uh, my my glands swell up and I get brain fog and um, and um, after two years on gaps that is moving a lot better but it's still a bit sluggish if I go too hard on the fermented foods and one of the most potent powerful fermented foods you can have is garlic mm. fermented garlic because it's anti parasitic it's antibiotic um, but what we do is we um, we ferment the garlic you have to ferment it for at least a month okay. was a lesson I learned um, and then the the liquid um, that has fermented the garlic. We use that. We put drops of that into the kids' broth. Um, but if if I ever go too fast with it, I notice that my son will get grow uh, the leg pains at night. And um, so, so you put it in a hot liquid, uh, in a warm, like a warm broth. In warm. Yeah. And so, it, it obviously f- fermentation will create a bacterial culture. So, yeah. do you think what's helpful about it is? the bacteria itself or some kind of compound that gets created? Gosh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, Because we ferment lots of foods. We ferment lots of vegetables and lots of cabbage, but nothing is as powerful as fermented garlic. So there's something in the garlic that when it is fermented um, just becomes more antiparasitic and more Mm. antibacterial. But um, certainly the probiotic value of it, Maybe it is that even garlic unfermented is a very powerful mm. um, uh, healing uh, mechanism. Like I remember I used to just eat, uh, if I felt like I was getting sick, I would just eat raw cloves. Mm. And so maybe the, you know, that, all of those powerful properties with the probiotic is just like a super, a super yeah. food. Yeah. Well, one thing that's really interesting about garlic and its properties is um, those antibacterial properties in it. Um, they don't last through cooking. So if you actually try to cook with it, it'll yeah. lose. If you chop it fresh and use it fresh and in cooking, yes. it'll lose the antibacterial properties. But if you leave it sitting aside for 20 minutes or so, mm. they will they will be able to uh, last through the cooking. Yes. So you'll be able to use it and get the benefit of the oh, garlic. Really? Yeah. So oh, really? That yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't actually know that. That's brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. so um, one of the things that's interesting to me is maybe that extended um, fermentation, which, you know, is oxidization for the garlic itself. Is, yeah. And maybe it's doing something to stabilize those really potent antibacterial molecules that, that are in it. And then maybe it becomes so concentrated in it after like a month's worth of exposure to oxygen or whatever it is that um, the process that it undergoes that it, it makes it much much more I guess uh, effective well yeah the, um, actually this rings a bell now that you mentioned it uh, the cutting of the garlic and leaving it aside um, releases enzymes in it that um, 
that start to work. Um, it's a bit like juicing, you know, when you juice mm -hmm. things, the enzymes are protected. And it's the same with the garlic and the onion. When we put the onion rings on our children's feet um, at night, if they've got chest colds, you cut it, you leave it for 10 minutes, and then you put it on their feet. Mm. So um, it obviously releases an enzyme, but it would be really interesting. It's probably you'd find that it, um, it triggers uh, the villi in the gut lining to release an enzyme of their own that uh, in combination they work together to fight these um, these right. diseases or these yeah. it's fascinating so how that. do you can I just <laughs> ask is, how yeah. do you ferment garlic um, so you <laughs> you peel just thousands and thousands of <laughs> she <laughs> says with tears <laughs> I did a cooking class once and I got everyone in my cooking class to peel my garlic for me <laughs> oh good idea <laughs> and then I wouldn't <laughs> share it with them I made I picked it all <laughs> Mary, very easy tip. You just put it in two uh, stainless steel bowls that yes. are basically closing it together. And then you shake it for like a minute. Oh, and then God. when you open the bowls up, um, it's all peeled. You can have like, you know, 50 cloves in there. And they're oh, all isn't that peeled. brilliant? Yeah. Spoken like a Lebanese chef. I know. I'm so, I'm so grateful for you right now. <laughs> so, um, so what I did with the peeled garlic, um, and now I will just, it'll be so much quicker, but um, you just put it in a, a fermenting jar. So whole? Uh, yeah, I didn't cut them at all. I just peeled them mm -hmm. and then um, put them. Although I must say, I wonder if this goes back to us talking about releasing those enzymes when you yeah, cut it. I did cut the, I cut the tips off them to peel them. Mm. And maybe that would have released the enzymes. Oh, yeah, you're I'm probably right. if it matters if they are peeled, because I peel my garlic in the thermomix and it gets slightly chopped. Yeah, and that would um, would go back to what uh, Fuad said about the, the you know just cutting them mm. um, and leaving them. So I would say, based on what we've just discussed now, that it would be wise to cut them a little bit, even if you just slit them. You know, yeah. With the knife. yeah. Can't hurt. Yeah, I can't yeah. hurt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, then you cover them. So then you put, uh, um, and I've heard that you can just put uh, Himalayan rock salt and water mm -hmm. in, um, and cover them, you know, and uh, then leave them to ferment. Um, okay. I used a starter. I used um, uh, whey from my yogurt mm -hmm. to start them. Um, you can use a vegetable starter. You can buy a starter culture mm -hmm. and add that to the water and cover them. Um, and then you leave them for a month. Okay. Well, it's interesting. I'll have to try that. Oh, so something else we've discovered is um, my son and I get what well, we used to get um, cold sores. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if you dip um, the gar if you dip even just a, an earbud into some of that garlic liquid, fermented garlic, oh. and put it on when you feel a cold sore coming, they don't come. You, wow! Stop them in the tracks. It's amazing. Yeah. Why do we know, not know this stuff? I know. It's I'm sure pretty, our great-great-grandmothers knew it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The other thing that we did was um, when uh, there was an inner ear infection, you know how the child's screaming because yeah. their ear is so sore, but it hasn't burst the eardrum or anything. Mm -hmm. um, you can literally lie the child on their side and put drops mm -hmm. of that garlic liquid into their ear. So I've always heard garlic oil, but I'd say this is a lot more potent. I would, yeah. So we use um, also onion, you know, just yeah. literally squeeze onions and the liquid from the onions goes in the air or the, uh, now the fermented garlic goes in the air and it sorts it out. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a deconstructed kimchi. If you yeah. Add some salsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. So chefy. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, have you got any more questions to ask 
Fuad, because I've I've got a couple. Uh, I'll but... keep going for like three years, but I'll I'll uh, <laughs> leave, give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. No, I'm kidding. Um, so can you? One of the questions I was asked is, can you get rid of parasites completely, or do you just tone them down? But I think you've pretty much answered that. That we, it's normal to have some in there. Yeah, the, the, your goal has to not be getting rid of parasites. It has to be healing your gut. Yes. And when you heal your gut and your villi come back and your um, your gut is healed and sealed and your microbiome are, is all balanced, the parasites will naturally balance out balance out with, within that microbiome. Okay. And the other thing, what kind of foods are going to help to not feed the parasites? Pretty much a GAPS diet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a GAPS diet. So take out the starches and the grains yeah. and the sugar, um, sugars of, um, and whole, you know, everything whole foods, organic, um, but, but lots of broths and fats and meats. They don't like that at all. Okay. Um, soups. Um, uh, yeah, and then what, what you often find is people who are toxic, Mm. Um, have parasites and yes. uh, the, the toxic people need a lot more vegetables. So um, what do you mean people who are toxic? Um, when I say toxic, um, I think you get two types of people when they have a uh, damaged gut microbiome. You get the type who react to foods, um, allergic people, um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome people, um, mm. and then you get the other people whose symptoms are not so digestive but they have thyroid issues, uh, rheumatoid arthritis issues, depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, autism, mm. uh, those symptoms, which are far more... Um, and the last um, podcast I did was with a lady whose son was very toxic and he had the, all the autism symptoms. Yeah, that's it. And, mm. and often um, fibromyalgia, so um, aches, um, yep. inflamed joints, but not necessarily the symptoms that are in the gut. Um, and those people tend to um, be struggling with toxicity, which causes um, so many of those symptoms. And to deal with toxicity, you need to get the toxins out of your body. You need to open up your detox pathways and you need to stop reintroducing uh, toxins into your body. So um, the, the way to do that is generally uh, through lots and lots of uh, organic vegetables mm -hmm. and, and some fruits which have detoxing agents in them, but you don't want to feed the bad bacteria. So what fruits are good for detoxing? Uh, lemons are brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, citrus in general is is, is excellent. Um, um, seasonal fruits are very berries. good. Berries are very very good for detoxing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the the ones that feed the bacteria more are bananas, but they're full of good um, uh, potassium and magnesium. So it's a, it's a balancing act. You have to have mm. that fruit in your diet, but don't. It's don't actually, do it. probably don't eat a whole banana, just have a few slices of banana. No, to tell my son <laughs> that, I have to stop him from eating six a day. I know, my son, my poor son, he came home from school today and he complained because I put one slice of banana and that's his treat for the day. And he's oh. like, it's not fair. So I said, all right, I'll try and do better. He's <laughs> yeah. taking it to a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> Shame. Uh, so, yeah, so toxicity is... is more vegetables, but but I think um, yeah, the parasites really hate the fat and the broth. <laughs> okay, it's interesting. Mm. So feeling sick in your stomach all the time is that a sign of parasites? Do you think? Yes, I'd say definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so some so so digestive signs of parasites are diarrhea, mm -hmm. um, bloated tummies, um, nausea and vomiting, um, dark rings under the eyes, yeah. um, solid tummy. Um, Inf you know, inflammation in the gut. Uh, okay. 
Hives as well. Hives. Often, yeah, hives can be a sign of parasites. Not the first sign you would look for, but um, certainly many people report hives. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, I mean, people need to be careful that there are signs of other things. Yes, exactly. And not to jump to the conclusion that they have the parasites. But I think the pathway that people need to follow is to try to regain health through the diet, as you were saying, Mary, yeah. and before they start going into the, the territory uh, of trying to treat one thing, which is the parasite or the bacteria or whatever Absolutely. it is. That the, yeah. So but, they, do, but do remember that you can always go and get a free test to see if you've got parasites. Yes. And um, once you have that information, um, it doesn't mean you should straight away go after the parasites. It, it's exactly what you said. You should probably... Would, had you known, would you have added those anti-parasitic um, foods into your diet early on in your GAP journey, would, the GAPS journey, or would you have um, just delayed it until you've healed your gut and then added the anti-parasitic? That's a good question, Brad. I think if we had known, we probably would have brought them in earlier and it probably would have done harm. Because mm. uh, our body, yeah, too much too soon because mm. our bodies weren't ready to treat parasites. So for us, it all because worked out. Perfectly. And also, Fuad doesn't know the start of your story, how slowly you had to do gaps. It was like one drop of broth in your son's bottle, slowly yeah. increasing it to half wow. a bottle in three months. Yeah. We you know, couldn't have treated really it. was really yeah. slow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. A very, very fragile, sensitive child. So um, if we had tried to treat parasites earlier in his journey in particular, it would have made him very sick. Yeah. Okay, so maybe... People who have who are rather healthy and don't have extreme health issues, and they are going on gaps just to uh, get themselves to a really good baseline, could have these foods earlier on yes, and see how they react. But if they are like in extreme cases, such as your child's, it's probably a good idea to just to stick to gaps as it is, and then later on introduce these foods as uh, you know in small doses and build up the tolerance. Absolutely, and actually, she speaks to that in her frequently asked questions, uh, Doctor um, McBride. She says um, that you should only treat parasites after you've been on gaps for eight months and you feel like your healing has plateaued or you aren't healing um, as fast as you would like. Then you should go after parasites. So she gives an, abs- an actual timeline of eight months. Um, we did it after 18 months um, mm-hmm. or probably, probably more like after 15 months um, because um, uh, that was just our journey. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the listeners out there, don't do your test until eight months after your GAPS journey and then see how you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I, I say that I know many people who've done it at six months with great results. You know, oh, so it's, it's, right. It depends how fast you're healing, I suppose, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? You need to know your own body. And, yeah. And um, another question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from a guy who's got parasites and doing the antibiotic treatments and stuff and still having major troubles. He's always feeling sick in his stomach, obviously weak in body, Mm. especially in the morning. Um, Goes for ages without eating because it makes him feel sick, but then skipping food makes him feel worse. So he tries to eat little bits all the time, but it's very hard. He can take up to 30 minutes to eat one meal and sometimes throws up his breakfast. And So would you just start with the broths and the meat, like you said, and just really that's all you can do? I would, with him, I would start on the intro diet. And yeah. it's very gentle in the beginning. And he might struggle with it, but he might also find that... Um, it's easier. Been, 
Mm. It, you know, I, I would say it would be easy on his gut. It certainly would be very anti-inflammatory, and it sounds like he's very inflamed. But I would also suggest that um, to feel that sick um, after eating, that his um, gallbladder is not functioning properly. It's mm. not producing enough stomach acid, and um, he will need to read through what it says on Gap's intro about stomach acid. Um, ox bile is a yes. supplement you can take to help with that in the first month. Yeah. Um, and uh, just uh, and foods like um, lemon and water first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. apple cider vinegar in water, um, just things to stimulate that gallbladder to create more stomach acid. Uh, so that's what the lemon water does. Yeah, yeah, uh, it does. Okay. And sauerkraut does it as well. But I would suggest he hold off the ferments until he's away yeah. into that intro diet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just settle that stomach. The, the extra acidity is really good for people with acid reflux because they have um, small inte- intestinal bacterial overgrowth as well and then you yes. add those acids in there and they really, really help control the bacterial population which is in the wrong part of your body. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it has a lot of different effects as well on your body. One of them is, is that and... It'll, well, once those sub- symptoms start subsiding, then uh, eating becomes an easier task for you as well. Yes. And it, it would, it's very difficult and slowly, slowly, isn't it? You have to wait until um, the body uh, kicks itself into gear. Fasting does that. And then, um, like Fawad says, um, Fawad says it, uh, the, the apple cider vinegars, those, those stimulant foods mm. um, help to sterilize the stomach, for example, so that uh, it doesn't have bacteria in the stomach and... What do it's you th- hard though. Yeah. What do you think of the bowel flush idea that um, they do for getting rid of parasites? I actually think there's a lot of value in it. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think too often, mm-hmm. and I don't think for a healthy person it's necessarily valuable. But for someone who's having a really bad time with it, it's it's an option. Oh, absolutely. It really helps because um, a lot of the probiotic foods that you eat don't get down into the lower colon. Mm-hmm. Um, for example. Um, just from you know the acids and the tummy and all and all the way through, and so sometimes you have to attack it from the other end, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, yeah. And you can do bowel flushes where you have probiotic, like you can put fermented garlic juice into an oh, enema okay. kit and yeah, do enemas do, do that, that kind way. of thing. Yeah. To get the probiotics, <laughs> <laughs> but because it doesn't go through the digestive oh, tract, it doesn't. It's probably better than eating it, Joe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have the, the huge die off, and, um, and you wouldn't have bad breath. No, no. Just <laughs> you just have bad farts. <laughs> 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 so I had to go there. Garlic farts, but um, yeah, the, the it's okay. We'll, we'll edit that one out. <laughs> no, no, let's leave it. <laughs> She always says something embarrassing. I know, and my friends always <laughs> fun. told me the next day, how could you have said that? But anyway, um, so there, there's, um, especially for people with toxicity issues, you know, um, regular coffee enemas are recommended yeah. because it goes, um, it doesn't go through the digestive tract, but it goes to the liver and pulls toxins out of the liver. Mm. Um, Interesting, so, isn't yeah, it? Colonics, I think, are um, for people with parasites and bad bacteria are a very useful tool. Okay. I wondered about that because I've heard something about, um, you know, it kind of strips the colon, I suppose, of um, good and bad. So maybe it's not a good thing. But I guess then you've got to work on repopulating it with, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I would say like colonic irrigation I wouldn't do frequently. I would do it. um, Yeah. I wouldn't do it more than once a month. Um, But uh, enemas I would do regularly if you're trying to get rid of parasites i would do one every 36 hours wow yeah 
I've always been uh, really kind of cautious of these things, never really had the courage to try them. And yeah. uh, once every 36 hours sounds like, what? Like, is that, is that, <laughs> is that no, normal? Like, of, uh, like, well, I mean, I'll tell you what the you know, 36 e hours. Things, yeah, go on. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, for, uh, the, uh, when we started GAPS, um, I was told by people who'd done it before that I would need to get an enema kit and that um, we would need to do enemas. And I was like, that is not happening. <laughs> it's just not happening. I was not interested. Um, but on, on intro in particular, um, a very common symptom because you've taken all the fiber out of the diet is. Uh, quite severe constipation and if you're constipated and detoxing at the same time that's not good. yeah you just start retoxing mm. and so the recommendation was to use um enemas to get the toxic stuff out mm. and um we did it on all all four of us and oh my goodness you just saw the difference you saw the color literally flood back into the children's face i remember that with the colonics it's we, yeah. when i was a teenager we had them and yeah the the skin was different yeah, it does. You go from pasty to cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, red cheeks. <laughs> and it's it's Whoa. again. If you're a healthy person, you don't need to do this. But if mm. you have the issue, um, and it's it's helping, and and your color is coming back, and um, you, um, a lot of the time you're you're pulling dead parasites out of the lower end of the colon, which are just uh, get you know could get septic. They could um, retox you as well, and mm. so to get. They, they get trapped in the, in, the, in the gut lining at the bottom. To get that stuff out can only benefit you. Um, but it is something to get your head around, that's for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Especially yeah, with sure. kids. <laughs> oh, oh, shame, my poor children. <laughs> oh, yeah, one one more question I thought of. Um, if you could just mention a few, um, you know, for people that have had to have the antibiotic treatment and it's yeah. been – you know, the full-on big proper treatment for parasites, what do you do afterwards? Like I think they give you some kind of probiotic treatment, but I don't know how good it is. Do you know what's the best thing for them to do afterwards? I would say even during. Uh, so if, if, if you're doing the antibiotic treatment at the moment, then every two hours after you take the antibiotics, take a really broad-spectrum probiotic. Have you got a suggestion? Uh, um, Biocult is the one I would suggest, or custom probiotics. Mm -hmm. um, they have 11 to 12 strains of good bacteria in them. And it's not that they will survive the antibiotic treatment. It's that between the antibiotics, they will keep the candida in check. Ah. Okay. And then you'll take an antibiotic and it'll kill the probiotics again. But then two hours later, you'll take probiotics again and they will keep the candida in check. Okay. Um, so that's just a way of keeping it in check so that at the end of the antibiotic treatment, you can go really, really hard mm. on really good broad-spectrum expensive probiotics and probiotic foods, uh, kefir, yogurt, um, sauerkraut, all of those foods, anything that you can get your hands on, you just want to uh, pump it after you've been on the antibiotics. And what's the really expensive probiotics, <laughs> dare I ask? Well, yeah. well so the, like a, a box of BioCult will cost you $60. Okay. Um, then there's a tiny little tub of a, of a probiotic called Gut Pro, which costs $120. Heard of that one. Yeah, but it lasts longer than, much longer than the BioCult. So oh, okay. you, you only take like a tiny, you take a 136th of a teaspoon or something wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Are they so soil-based bacteria or are they um, like the transient style, like lactobacillus and that kind of? Um, they're a mixture. They're mostly yeah. the, the trans 
tra uh, transitory uh, bacteria, but they do have some soil bacteria in there. They have plantarum and um, they have rhamnosus, which is very good for inflammation and for allergies. Um, so basically these probiotics, the reason you want to take the, the commercial probiotics as well as eat the fermented foods is that the commercial probiotics have the bacteria that is missing from our world. Soil and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, you know, we used to get that from… Naturally. The wells, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pulling our water out of wells. Oh, that's uh -huh. what, you know. And our food has been stripped of all these bacteria. So this reintroduces that variety. Uh -huh. And then the, the fermented foods introduce the volume. Okay. Because you will get much more probiotic in a, a spoonful of sauerkraut than you will in a tablet of biocult. But you won't get the variety in the sauerkraut that you'll get in the. So oh. you need both. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Oh, I've learned lots. <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, that's great. Yeah, Is, have you got any more questions for what? Uh, no, no, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Mary. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. So, um, if people want to know about your um, what you did, you've got a little ebook or something, I think, on your um, website. Yeah, so on www.goodmoodfood.net.au, um, there is a. Um, I think it's under resources, uh, there's a parasite treatment plan mm -hmm. under there. And there's also, I wrote a blog about parasites, it's uh, Parasites, the Hidden Menace. Uh, we can which link I think, to that. Yeah. Um, so those two things will be very helpful if you are um, treating and wondering. Okay, that's really good. Well, thank you for that. We've gone an hour, so I suppose we better stop. <laughs> we could talk all night probably. I know, always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much and I really hope that that's helped those of you who are listening in and wanting some help, um, it sounds like at least there's a there's things that you can do, and it's not you know it's not just antibiotics, which a lot of people feel like that's what it is. So it's good to know about the diet side of things as well and the natural side of things. So thank you for that. Okay, sure. so if anyone has any questions, I'm sure Mary would be happy to maybe. <laughs> sudden influx of questions <laughs> always happy to answer questions oh good okay so you can go on her facebook page good mood food or onto her website so that's a great place to go to contact her and feel free to leave questions on my facebook page or in my chat group quirky cooking chat group um, and also on the www.thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey and you can go onto the Wellness Couch also and view the entire range of wellness podcasts available. There's a lot on there now. And just keep working on those small changes. I know that um, there's so many things to think about when you're trying to improve your health, but it's all little by little, isn't it? Learning as you go. It's <laughs> we'll, a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And we'll be back to share more journeys with you in a fortnight. So thank you so much for listening and thank you, Fuad and Mary, for joining me. Thanks, Joe. Okay, bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.